welcome to the Inside and Beyond podcast, and I'm your host, Natalia Fomichenko. Inside and Beyond podcast brings together conversations about psychology and spirituality to inspire you to live a more fulfilling life, explore your purpose, and realize your full potential. Hello, beautiful people. Thank you for listening to my podcast. This episode should have been the first one, as I've realized that it makes sense to have an intro about myself, about who am I and how come I came to talk about such topics as well-being, psychology and spirituality. So this episode will cover who I am and where I come from, how I got to psychology and spirituality, what spirituality means to me and how my experience can hopefully inspire you to become more aware of what's going on in your life and start living a more fulfilling life for yourself. So let me give you some background about myself. I'm from Russia. I was born in a small town and moved to Moscow with my parents when I was a teenager. Since I was young, I remember myself thinking how I would react differently if I were my parents? Is it the only way to live life the way my parents did? I was always interested in the relationship topic. I have a great mom, but she occasionally has been struggling with emotional regulation. And I always ask myself how, if I was her, I would, I could do better. I also wanted to expand my world and, and go away and kind of prove everyone that there is a, an opportunity for a better life, for a better way of living. So that, I guess, in part brought me into going abroad and trying to build my life there. After I finished university, I started working in management consulting. For those who don't know what management consulting is, it is about giving advice to big corporations or government on the topics of strategy, organizational transformation, or put in simply terms, how to make more money and how to be more efficient. So that was a pretty big step for me as I was super young and it required me to really think out of my box and give advice to people who have been doing their business for decades of work or to governments. It was super scary, as you can imagine. And um, after a successful internship at the Moscow office of my company, I was offered an opportunity to transfer to a Dubai office, which for me was exactly the ticket to the bigger life, to, to the life abroad that I was looking for. So I've accepted, although again, it was super, super scaring and absolutely out of my comfort zone. And I never lived abroad, let alone in the Middle Eastern country. So for me, it was quite a big challenge. So I moved there and spent four years working with different corporations and government across various countries such as Saudi Arabia, United Arab Emirates, Kuwait, Turkey and other countries, which was 
a very interesting and time-consuming experience for me. I also traveled a lot and for this opportunity I'm very thankful because I think rarely a job allows you to visit so many countries. I think I've been to over 55 countries as of now. But then at some point I felt that it somehow came to a point of emptiness. You know, I kind of had a very cool job and and at that point of time I was in a relationship where I felt we were a great couple, but something was missing. And I was like, is that it? Now I just keep working and maybe in the meantime I managed to to set a family and and here is my career kind of settled and and is that it? Is that it to life and, and then what? And I just felt like I didn't have much time to really understand what I want. I felt like I'm going on a spiral that is, you know, get to the best university, get the best job, get the best, uh, you know, partner and, and, and that's it. And I felt like I didn't even have a chance to think whether it's something that I want and even more profound and more scaring question was, what do I actually want? And I, I just couldn't answer that question at that time. There was another challenge that I was struggling with. And this is very personal to me. I never really tell it to a wider public much, but I feel like all experiences that we have make us who we are and somehow point us to the direction we are taking. So I guess partially the reason why I'm taking the direction of talking, at least by means of this podcast about mental health, well-being, psychology and spirituality is because of this particular challenge that I had. And this challenge was that I had an eating disorder, which is binge eating and with some elements of bulimia and probably those who don't know me well, they would never think that I would be a person who may have something like that. However, thanks to my great metabolism, it was never really shown. However, it really brought a lot of psychological challenges to me and as I said, was the reason of my burning desire to understand more about how the brain works and whether there is something deeper probably than just the brain. So this challenge started as a stress response. So whenever I felt stressed, I felt like, you know, I want to eat it. Probably some of you have some elements of this without this being a proper illness or, or disorder and I think my problem was that besides just the stress triggers I have other multiple triggers in place I was at that stage of my life when I kind of struggled with my body image I thought that I'm not thin enough I'm not slim enough I need to be a model although Modeling was not my profession. It's just since I was young, everyone was telling me that I'm a model. I look like a model and I even did some modeling. And whenever people told me, 
after that, you know, models are a bit slimmer, that really made a profound effect on me and became another stress factor that affected my eating behavior. On top of that, the situation that I was working in, you know, highly stressed environment and specific of the Middle East and in particular a country, Saudi Arabia, where I spend a lot of time on my projects, where basically you don't really have much entertainment and much free time due to work. And the only thing, a good thing that you can, or a good thing that I thought it was you can do to yourself is to go for a nice dinner or get a nice dessert. And overall in the country, I feel like it's a big problem. People don't have much to do except for going out and eating. And there are so many opportunities for that. Always big buffet, you know, in the Middle Eastern countries. It's crazy the amount of food that they serve in, in one buffet. And you can take and eat whatever and as much as you want. The desserts they make, they are incredibly beautiful and you, you cannot choose one. You want to try multiple things at once. And also the amount of sugar that they put in the food is higher than in European countries, which leads to all kinds of problems in the region, such as diabetes and I think more deeply psychological dependence on food. But that's enough about this. I just wanted to give you more context of where it's coming from and hopefully more context on the extent of how much I'm passionate about the things. So there came a desire to change something, anything really in my life. And the first step was to take a break from job, um, to take a break from consulting and pause. And the second step was to try to understand what was going on inside my head. It's this really weird feeling when you do something that you don't want to do, that you feel guilty about after, that you don't want yourself to be doing and you keep promising yourself that you won't be doing it again because it's stupid and yet you're doing it again. And it was such a puzzle I just couldn't solve. You know, I saw that I'm, you know, smart person, smart enough to understand certain things, rational enough, yet I wasn't able to, to do anything and, and my disorder just kept getting worse. So the idea of my break was to go to a business school to do my MBA, uh, which I did at London Business School and Columbia in New York, and to take this opportunity to really get some time for myself to think and, and hopefully understand what it is that I want to do with my life and also meet other people to really expand my perspective and, and see how others are doing, whether others facing the same problems, to know people from various cultures, which I think an MBA, if you're thinking about it, is a great opportunity to do so. So during my MBA time, I got much more into psychology, mental health. I run a few programs and initiatives in the school to increase awareness about those topics. And what I actually understood during my time is first that it is okay to talk about it. And second, so many people 
actually don't talk about it and, and they hide it and and on the outside they seem absolutely perfect they seem overachievers people who are best of the best they get great grades they got to great jobs and great schools yet on the inside they are struggling with so many issues like being perfectionists and not being satisfied with whatever is not perfect and they're just trapped in this race of getting to the next great job without even thinking that for whom is it great is it great for me is it or is it great for society or others they don't even have time in the preparation of this race to think whether it is something that they would really enjoy so i met so many people who who just don't know what they want they just need to do the next great step that is considered cool by others and and that's it and then they'll figure it out and on the inside they struggle with the same eating disorders or anxiety or burnout they work and that's the same that i've observed with my colleagues at at my consulting firm there's so many people who would take leave of absence to deal with burnout and depression and and then they will come back just because they feel better but they don't resolve the underlying problem and reason for for these feelings because of multiple reasons i guess because it's it's just not easy to really have courage to look that deep and and really change something. Anyways, that was a little bit of a background and now we are getting into how this all propelled me into getting deeper into psychology and various practices to really understand what's going on in my head and and how other people deal with that. This included a lot of learning of course about behavioral psychology and positive psychology through my MBA courses neuroscience as well i've been auditing a few neuroscience disciplines while at columbia university and i'm so grateful to this school for this opportunity other courses that i took i am a certified cognitive behavioral therapy practitioner i took courses on neurolinguistic programming I worked with several therapists myself that had various approaches including classical psychoanalysis based on Freud and Jung teachings gestalt therapy cognitive behavioral therapy etc etc there was a lot of learning and it's still ongoing because I've just realized that I can learn a lot on this topic and never get tired which is a great sign I guess if you're on a journey on understanding what it is that you want. And I've also embarked on a spiritual journey in the hope to learn about different religions, practices all over the world from ancient and indigenous peoples. I've traveled to Latin America, Mexico, Guatemala and Asia, Thailand, Vietnam, Japan to really get some insights and this combined with my life of travel was easy enough for me to get access to some of these practices were kind of mystical by nature and while i think of myself as of a rational person well at least most of the times i'm also really curious and and 
open-minded to understand other ways of thinking rather than disregard them completely without sufficient knowledge on my side. It's like a presumption of innocence, right? Until you've proven that you're guilty, you're innocent. So that's the same with my attitude towards every spiritual teaching or practice I encounter. Of course, I cannot help but apply my rational lenses to it, but I try to keep as much of an open mind as possible. I've actually discovered that many things are called differently, but essentially mean the same things like God or universe or spirit, psyche, consciousness, soul, etc. Another part of my journey was immersion into understanding of psychedelics. And this is something that was very new to me. I grew up in a very conservative family. And I think even if now my mom would know that I've tried some drugs, she would probably be very, very surprised. <laughs> well, luckily she doesn't speak English, but um, <laughs> anyhow, I think it deserves a separate episode on the podcast, but I can say now that not all drugs are bad and it's a common misperception of a society to classify all drugs as bad. And I do believe that drugs that are addictive are indeed bad, but some drugs such as psychedelics, if used properly and with right intention, such as to really go deeper within your own psyche rather than just be cool and, you know, get to the party to see interesting lights, then in this case, the psychedelics can be quite helpful. There is a great book by Michael Pollan, How to Change Your Mind, in case you are curious to learn more about his experience and what the substances are about. But I do plan to record a separate episode on this. Then the next one that informed my passion and interest was kind of getting to understand more about quantum physics. And this is a fascinating topic that also deserves a separate episode. But some things that have been discovered in this field relatively recently tie very well to the spiritual aspects of certain things, such as importance of consciousness, for example, when a thing doesn't exist until observer observes it or records it. You can also Google Schrodinger experiments and get some more information on that. And then another aspect of quantum physics that I find really fascinating is duality of things, that an electron can be in two places at the same time, not depending on distance. It can be absolutely remote points of space. So really quantum physics is about breaking the notion of space and time, something that we always assumed as constant and ever-present. And this studies and this science is basically telling us that it is not as simple as we used to think. 
But again, I am very far from being an expert on this topic, but I do hope to bring some experts to really learn more about it. Now let's talk about what spirituality means to me. Oh, it's a very complex topic to explain in a structured way. And there are still so many things I don't know, nor does the humankind. Many things we can't prove scientifically, but not always because they are not true, but because science might not yet be there to prove them. Sometimes there are paradoxes such as we know on some profound level that certain things are true, yet we can't explain them, let alone prove them. And these experiences often happen on psychedelics, for example, or not necessarily induced by drugs. And I don't want to get into the discussion that, you know, it's it's all an illusion because you're on a drug. It's also proven that they can occur without drugs. But again, that's a separate topic. My point here is that sometimes the science may not be yet to explain certain things. So let me do my best and outline the key assumptions to spirituality I rely on today, which can obviously change by means of my future experiences. And this is why it's an ongoing journey. And this podcast is what's going to help me explore it further. So assumption number one, there is more to life than body and brain, which is a combination of biochemistry and electric signals. I truly believe that, that there is something more. And, and this something more, I, I call consciousness, but it can also be referred as soul, spirit. And an important distinction here is that what I mean by consciousness does not necessarily mean conscious perception by a human being, by any of us. It includes all the unconscious programs that we have that are stemming from our families, nations, cultures, humankind in general that affect each of us. Now, assumption number two, which is related, I do believe that all of these individual consciousnesses, if I can use plural form here, feed into a source of it because they can't be separate. So this source is like a universal information base, a cloud if you want. And and this can be referred to as universal consciousness or, or universe or, or God, whatever you prefer. And by definition, if we all feed into one source, then we are all somehow connected on the consciousness level. And also by definition, we are all part of God, if we call God the universal consciousness. So this is a notion that is essentially about the fact that if we're looking for God, we need to look inside ourselves because we are a manifestation of it in our current form, rather than to look for external gurus that will lead us to some external God that is, you know, merciful or bad, you know, you know what I mean? Now, the third assumption is about religions and myth and legends. 
that they all guide us in, in a similar direction of the nature of things and often give metaphorical explanations of morality and human dilemmas. There is a great book called A Hero with a Thousand Faces by Joseph Campbell. It is about different religions and myth and the fact that they all talk about very similar things, which is very peculiar. It's a super profound book. It's a bit difficult to read, but I highly recommend it. Now, if we talk about human dilemmas, we, we realize that they are all similar in nature of overcoming limitations up to getting to know the ultimate truth, whatever it means, be that of a given challenge of one's life or or a higher knowledge of consciousness or God, right? And these problems all repeat themselves in human life and in various forms, and they are all cyclical in nature, like the nature is also cyclical, which is also something interesting to think about. And then if we talk about morality a little bit, it is scientifically proven that foundations of understanding of morality are present in us before we develop a sophisticated brain. There was a study by Yale psychologist Karen Wynn conducted on babies of five months who can't even talk. And the study has shown that they can distinguish between good and bad on some basic and profound level. And it's fascinating. You can Google this video by tapping Karen Wynn, which is K-A-R-E-N-W-Y-N, baby lab, and see how this study was conducted. It is a fascinating watch. Now, the next fourth assumption, and there will be six, if you don't mind me, <laughs> religions and texts are subject to human subjective interpretations. And this is why we feel that various groups can't agree on one meaning, which results in all kinds of sacred wars and other negative consequences. I personally subscribe to view that a religion is a set of pointers that, when interpreted carefully and correctly, can bring us to higher knowledge or development of our soul, consciousness. But these are only pointers or maps, and there are multiple other roads to enlightenment. Fifth, enlightenment. To me, enlightenment comes through a realization of all of the above and acceptance that beyond our body and brain, there is consciousness or life force or God that is separate from everything else and just happened to manifest itself in the form that we are now, in the form that I have as Natalia or, or you have. But once this form dissolves, as is the nature of all forms, the life force is ever eternally present, which implies that we die as a form, but eternally alive as part of consciousness or life force, if you want. And then the last assumption 
is about present. Time is an illusion. That is another big idea that I'm dropping here, um, but it is already pruned by quantum physicists. And hopefully, again, we will have a separate episode on this. So past and future are only the shortcuts that our brain uses to simplify life's navigation. Past and future only exist in our mind. It's like a shortcut on the desktop, if you want. And a spiritual idea of this is that only present moment is real and it is eternal because there is always a now. And in this moment, this is the only time we can create and live our life and access to the universal information base or, or God, if you want. Hence, all the mindfulness and meditation practices and techniques focus on the present moment and obtaining this realization that the nature of consciousness is beyond the body and brain with its thoughts about past and future and only lies in the present moment. Again, we can have a separate episode on mindfulness because I do realize that for some of you, it can also be a very new topic in itself. I leave it at this for now. And I appreciate that it may have created more questions than answers. And if it did, I'm glad. The objective is not to give answers, but open up a quest for a deeper meaning of life, which is exactly what I believe makes us much more engaged and impactful during our time on Earth. My idea with this podcast is to provoke and challenge habitual ways of thinking, supply the information as food for thoughts, and, and inspire personal growth. But I also like to mention that from my personal experience, no practice or healer or therapist can save you, solve your problems and improve your life. You're the only one who can do it. And for this, you need to take responsibility. Having an open mind and access to information as well as supporting relationships such as spiritual, therapeutical or coaching can help you grow in your awareness of things. But if you want something to be different in your life, you need to take your own responsibility. And I'm saying this because at one point, I found myself jumping from practice to practice, travel to travel, hoping to find the key to life. And these are all forms of escapism, if you want. The key to life is in ourselves. So look inside and beyond. Look, I hope you found this useful and thought-provoking. I hope to expand on some of these topics going forward and point you in the direction of interesting people, books, and other sources of information. Till next time. <laughs>